Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So the secret of living the Christian life, to be an overcomer, taking the way of eating and enjoying Christ as the tree of life. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, we, we saw organically we're joined to the Lord as the tree of life. But now we, we're looking at it from the aspect of the Lord is actually embodied in the Word. And we can come to Him and eat Him and feast on Him. And it's very interesting that, you know, Genesis 2, we're put in front of the tree of life with, with the instruction what to eat. That's all God said. Just be careful what you eat. Don't eat that tree. And uh, he didn't tell him anything else. Just eat. Eat the right thing. So then when you look at Revelation 2, to the church in Ephesus, where there's the word to the uh, ones who overcome, uh, they are saying, to he who overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life. So we can say, we eat to overcome. And we overcome to eat. Right? It's, it's, that's the characteristic of an overcomer. He's a person who is eating. And uh, we, we know um, the Lord said in John chapter 6, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Because he had previously said he's the bread of life. One said, hey, we can't take this. We can eat, eat you. And uh, then he said to the disciples, uh, are you also going to go away? Because they went. And then one said, you know, you have the words of eternal life. So the Lord is embodied in the words. And when we come to the word, we touch the Lord. We can actually receive the Lord by the word. We can actually eat the Lord from the word. And that's why I love that chorus so much. Touching Jesus. Touching Jesus. It's all that really matters. You, know, you can read heaps of stuff. But if you don't touch the Lord, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't do that much. But touching Jesus is all that really matters. And you know, and I know, when we touch Jesus, we're not the same. We're not the same. There's an infusion of the divine life into us that changes us, changes our feeling, changes our whole desire. So Roman numeral 1 says, the secret of living the Christian life to be an overcomer is for us to take the way of eating and enjoying Christ as the tree of life. Let me ask the sisters who came from Wakatani. Before you touched the Lord's recovery, did you know you could eat Jesus? No. No. Isn't it a shame? This is a central matter. But in Christian circles, you believe, you love, you honor, you follow, you obey, but you don't eat. It's all outward. But the Lord came. He said, I am the bread of God. He who eats me shall live because of me. So the Lord came um, as the food for man to eat. So this is, this is how to be an overcomer, to eat the Lord. You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to be a spiritual person. You have to be an eating person. You have to eat. So the next uh, sentence says, God does not intend for us to do anything for him. His only desire is to give himself to us as food for our enjoyment. Do you think you can do something for God? He's almighty. Come on. Get real. Oh, what are you going to do? Right? But he wants to do something for you. He wants, he wants to give himself as food. Only those who take the way of enjoying Christ as the tree of life will see their life and work remaining in the new Jerusalem. You know, Paul warns us that every man's work is going to be tried by fire. So the way to have whatever we're doing remain is to do it by eating Jesus. I was, um, I was involved in an in a, um, organization preaching the gospel. 
to young people. And we had all kinds of like camps and, and activities we were doing. And, and some places we got a lot of young people saved, but nothing remained. Nothing remained. And, uh, you know, Paul says, every man's work is going to be tried by fire. If any man's work abides, you know, he gets the reward. My work didn't even have to wait for the fire. It already vanished. It already came to nothing. And so much of Christian activity is like that. It doesn't remain. It doesn't remain. It looks good for a little while, but there's nothing remaining. We were, when we came into the Lord's recovery, we were opposed, and the groups prophesied against us, said your work will come to nothing in six months. You know? That was 50 years ago. Something's remained. It remained because we're eating Jesus. Not remaining because we did activities. You know, different Christian groups get into activities that kind of fit the moment. It doesn't last. It looks exciting. Something happens that doesn't last. But eating Jesus lasts. When you, when you, you eat Jesus, you'll last. And when you bring others to eat Jesus, they'll last. It's, a, it's an enduring practice. You know, we know just human, if you don't eat, you're not going to last. Right? So this is the way that the Lord has taken. So you can say, we are eating our way all the way to the New Jerusalem. Or well, we're eating till we become the New Jerusalem. We're in this feasting mode, enjoying Christ, having Christ as our life. Amen. So Roman numeral 2 says, <clears throat> We can eat the Lord Jesus as our spiritual food for our enjoyment, receiving him as the spirit who gives life through eating his words of spirit and life by means of all prayer and by musing upon his words. You know, you might think this is something that we have to do, just we have to do. But John 6, 57, the Lord Jesus said, As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father. He got something of the Father that enabled him to live. And then he said, He who eats me shall live because of me. Not live by me, but because of me. So we eat him, he gets into us, and we live as a result of that. The Lord Jesus lived on the earth by absorbing and taking in the Father, and he lived the Father. We do the same. We eat the Lord Jesus, take him in, and we live. If we don't have the Lord Jesus, we don't have life, and there's, there's uh, no result. So, you know, the Lord said in John 6, I mentioned before, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Just whatever we do won't profit. It won't profit. The words which I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. And, you know, you might think, oh, this is just something that Jesus said, you know, is a kind of a, a parable in, in John. But Jeremiah said, your words were found. And I read them. Your words were found, and I? Isn't that amazing? Jeremiah used that term. He found the Lord's word. Was Jeremiah in a good situation? The time of Jeremiah? They were about to go into captivity. Just terrible situation, right? And he found the Lord's word and he ate them in a desperate situation. He became an overcomer by eating eating the Lord's word. And he said, and your word became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. How do you know if you've eaten Jesus? You're happy. You're happy. You've got joy. You've got gladness in your heart because that's who he is. He, he is joy, unspeakable. Amen. Yes, said it uh, became joy and gladness of my heart, for I am called by your name. Amen. Now, I have a little footnote here to read you. 
This is from that verse in Jeremiah. It says, according to the entire revelation in the Holy Bible, God's words are good for us to eat. And we need to eat them. God's word is the divine supply as food to nourish us. Why, why do you think uh, in history, when there's been persecution against God's people, it bans the Bible? You know, when Mao Zedong and, and, and those in China brought in the revolution, they banned the Bible. They destroyed the Bible, burnt the Bibles. Burma, they burnt the Bibles. Muslim countries, they burned the Bibles. Right? Why? Because that's where there's a divine supply. Yeah? Through the word as our food, God dispenses his riches into our inner being to nourish us that we may be constituted with his element. Whoa, this is amazing. You know, the Lord said, the words are spirit and life. Somehow, yeah, he was incarnated, lived human life, he died, he resurrected, became the spirit, and somehow got into the word. So he said, the words are spirit. He's the spirit. The words are spirit, and they life. He's the life. So he is in the word. So when we come to the word, it's not just for information, it's to come for him. Remember that verse we looked at? You know, you don't come to me that you might have life. You read the scriptures, but you don't come to me. We need to practice to come to the Lord because he's embodied in the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Your life only one way to really touch Him. Pray his word and call on his name. Amen. That's the way to touch him. Through the word as our food, God dispenses his riches into our inner being to nourish us, that we may be constituted with his divine element. This is a crucial aspect of God's economy. When we eat God's words, his word becomes our heart's gladness and joy. Amen. You know, you know why you're happy now, don't you? You know why you're happy now. The last couple of days, you've been eating God's word. Amen. Becomes the joy and gladness of our heart. Amen. And then, then it says uh, we need to. Take the word by means of all prayer. And, um, you know, we use the term pray reading. As we read the word, we pray. It's not just repeating. It's not just a form. It's to exercise when we read the word to pray it. And then it says, uh, and by musing on the word. You know what musing means? Psalm 119.15 says, I will muse upon your precepts and regard your ways. I will muse. I'll read you the footnote, huh? Because we don't use muse that much. Rich in meaning, the Hebrew word for muse, often translated meditate, implies to worship, to converse with oneself. Oh, God is good for food. Talk to yourself, yeah. Praise the Lord. God is good for food. Yes, amen. That's musing, right? Talking to yourself. And to speak aloud. So speak the Lord's word. Not just read it, but speak it. To muse on the word is to taste and enjoy it through careful considering. 
prayer, speaking to oneself, and praising the Lord may also be included in musing on the word. To muse on the word of God is to enjoy his word as the breath. Amen. Thus to be infused with God, to breathe God in, and to receive spiritual nourishment. You know, A.B. Simpson wrote a hymn, Breathing out my oldness, breathing in thy newness. So this is uh, what happens when we muse. We, we breathe out and we breathe in. Amen. So we get nourished by the word by praying it, pray-reading it, and by musing on it, speaking it to ourselves, speaking it to others, right? praising the Lord for it. So this is, a, this is a way of eating, a way of eating the word. Amen? So A says, when we eat the Lord Jesus by eating his words of spirit and life, we live because of him. We live not by Christ, but because of Christ. You, you know the difference between living by and because? Rachel, what's the difference? We live because of the food. So the Lord said, if you take my word, you'll live because of that. Something will get in you and cause you to live. It's not you live by it. Where is it? I can find it. It's because of. It's got into you. Amen. So we live not by Christ, but because of Christ as our energizing element. And supplying factor, praise the Lord. We live Christ in his resurrection, and we live Christ by eating him. Praise the Lord. So you, you have the, the view that the Lord comes into us energizing, supplying, causing us to live in a certain way. That's how you overcome. That's how you overcome. You don't overcome by it. You overcome because you ate, not by some instrument. Amen. Amen? You agree? Okay, B says, as we eat the Lord Jesus by eating his word, we need to have proper spiritual digestion. That's very important, isn't it? You know, if uh, you don't digest your food, you have all kinds of problems. So one says... If we have good digestion, there will be a thoroughfare for the food to get into every part of our inward being. By eating, we have digesting. By digesting, we have assimilation. And by assimilation, we get the practical nourishment of the riches of Christ into our being. So by eating and through our musing on it, and continually, you know, considering it helps digest. Then it gets assimilated into us, becomes our nourishment. And, and the, the result is that we, we can have Christ as our living. Amen. Amen. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Amen. So we, we gain him from it. And we allow him to fill in. Then two says, indigestion means that there is no way for the Lord as the spiritual food to get into our inward parts. Where there is no free course for the food to get into our inward parts, we have indigestion. Have any of you ever experienced indigestion? It's painful, right? So the food just hasn't got where it should have got. Okay, what causes indigestion? You have three verses here. Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. So we come to the word, you know, maybe we pray over the word, but we doubt it. We doubt it. Right? So that's like indigestion. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You heard it, but it doesn't work. 
because of unbelief. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Unbelief is considered a very serious sin. It's a very serious sin. And it's very offensive to God. Unbelief is offensive to God. Um, I've sometimes illustrated it this way. Uh, my wife always is hospitable, inviting people. And let's say she invites five sisters to come for dinner and prepares the meal and <coughs> nobody turns up. And then we find out and the sisters say, oh, we felt sorry for Pauline because she's always doing this and we felt maybe she has a rest, you know. It's like, that's so offensive. Might be a nice feeling, but it's so offensive. She's already worked expecting it and nobody turns up. Have you ever had that kind of experience, sisters? You've prepared a meal and somebody didn't turn up for it? If it's your husband, of course, he gets, he gets fried when he gets home, you know. Um, but it's when you think, oh, or they might think, oh, I didn't really think you wanted us to come, or I didn't think you were serious, right? And that's offensive. So God has said something to us. He's promised something to us. We should say, amen, amen. Be a, be a person, you know, who says amen, 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 amen. Hattie, you haven't said amen, amen, oh Lord, amen. So Hebrews 3.15 says, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of provocation. You know, the Lord said something, they hardened their hearts, they didn't react, and it provoked the Lord. So that's another way, you harden your, harden your heart. What if the Lord says to you, you see somebody in need, you become aware of somebody in need, and the Lord says, give them $100. You go, oh, man, I can't afford to give $100. You harden your heart. You harden your heart. So that whatever you've eaten just gets stuck because you haven't allowed it to, to assimilate into you. And then Hebrews 4.12 says, For indeed, we had the good word announced to us, even as they also. But the word heard did not profit them, not being mixed together with faith to those who heard. How do you mix the word with faith? Here you got the word, you're going to mix it with faith. How are you going to mix it? How are you going to put faith into what you read? Hattie? Yes? Yeah? Huh? Yeah? Keep going. Huh? Yeah? Just what I said you hadn't done. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so when the Lord speaks, what should you say? Amen. Amen. That's exercising faith. Amen is important. You know, the Lord has called the amen, Revelation. He's the amen, the faithful witness. He's the amen. He's the amen. 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 Right, that's the Lord. Right? And then, <clears throat> then in Corinthians, it says, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. You know, the first message I heard when I went to the Lord's Recovery, I, I went to a meeting in Hong Kong in the Lord's Recovery. The first message I heard was a brother preaching on amen, saying amen, using all the verses. You know, when the law was read, they had to say amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Amen. You shall not steal. Amen. Right? All the way. They had to say amen. That's, that's mixing the word with faith. You know, people say, oh, the people in the local church, they say amen, amen, amen. And they think they mean it. Amen, amen. Ooh, all the time, amen. Wow. That's much better than 
not saying amen. Right? Can you say amen too much? Amen. Oh, amen. 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 Are we the amen people? Well, if Jesus is the amen and he's in us, we should be the amen. 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 So that helps what we read of the word. That helps it be digested. Right? Saves us from indigestion. So don't forget to say amen, Hattie. Yeah. Amen. We just imagine how happy Richard will be if every time he says something to you, you say amen. Uh, this makes the Lord happy when we read his word and say amen. You can't say you can't say amen too much. You can't. We have to say it more. You know, <clears throat> when people stand up here and testify and you listen to them, don't just analyze. Did they get their point right? Man, they mixed the points up. Understand that way they got the order wrong, you know. Don't 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 think like that. Just say amen. Amen, sister. Amen. Speak it, amen. Yeah. You know, when somebody prophesies and there's no amen, you know, it's like either he was dead or we're all dead, you know. It's it's like when somebody speaks, there should be amen. I heard a I heard a really interesting story about saying amen. It was this this happened in Chicago. Some new ones came to a meeting and and they got up and they and they started criticizing, you know, the the the, the meeting and, and saying things. And the saints came, oh amen, amen, amen. You imagine? You're criticizing somebody and they go, Amen. Amen. You ran out of criticism pretty soon, right? You know, when you criticize somebody, you, you expect an argument, right? So you have to fight back, defend themselves. You just say, just say, Amen. Amen. So when your husband tells you off, say, Amen. You know, you know, we we have we have these these four wonderful words. Oh Lord, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah, and um, yeah, that's five in, at Jesus. But in Los Angeles in, in 1970, uh, they would they would say, Oh Lord, Amen, Hallelujah. Oh Lord, Amen, Hallelujah. We we were we were having hospitality, and next to the house there was a lane. And in the morning, uh, some brothers came jogging, and we heard them, Oh, Lord, amen, hallelujah, oh, Lord, amen. Well, I'm jogging, you know, running past the house, Oh, Lord, amen, hallelujah, oh, Lord, amen, hallelujah. And uh, one time, this boy was really, really naughty, and, uh, and the... Um, Mother was telling the father, and the father goes, Oh Lord. And the little boy goes, Amen. And the mother goes, Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. So he got into the flow real quick, right? (laughs) Amen. Okay. Amen? Amen. So what do we do? Amen. Pray his word. Muse his word. Amen. Mix his word by faith. Amen. Amen. Then there's, a, there's the, good, the good digestion that comes. Amen. So it says uh, three, right? 
We need to keep our whole being with all our inward parts open to the Lord so that spiritual food will have a thoroughfare within us. If we do this, we will have proper digestion, assimilation, and absorb Christ as spiritual nourishment. And Christ will become our constituent, amen, for the expression of God. So if you don't get filled with Christ, how can you express him? So we need to eat him, digest, assimilate, absorb, have the nourishment. Eventually, we get constituted so there can be the expression. It's like we mentioned, there's love, life, light, lampstand. Right? Amen. Oh, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Roman number three. We can eat him. Now, this is really interesting. We can eat him by doing the will of the Father to satisfy the hungry and thirsty ones. Can you think of a case where that happened? Yeah, John 4. The, the Lord was hungry, sent the disciples away for food. And then this woman came to draw water. He asked her for a drink. And um, she, he, the Lord started to present himself as life to her, living water. Uh, she, she, she was in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, hey, how can you give me water? You haven't even got a bucket. And then he said, oh, if you knew who it was, he'd ask, give me water. What do you mean? Jacob gave us this well. She was really in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the Lord's trying to give her life. Eventually, she got it. She got it. And then the disciples came back, and um, and they said, uh, here's, "Here's your hamburger," and and he said, "I've already eaten. I've already eaten. I have food to eat. You don't know anything about." So when the Lord ministered to that woman, she received His life. He got fed. Now, have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had the experience? of speaking Christ to somebody, they believed, and it's just like you just had a gourmet meal. You just feel so satisfied. Right? So this is, this is what the Lord is talking about. This is doing the will of the Father. Right? The Father was seeking, because the Lord said, the Father seeks such. He was seeking that woman. The Lord cooperated with the Father seeking by speaking to her, then she got opened up eventually and received him, and then the Lord was satisfied. So we, we eat the word. We get filled with the word. And then we find ourselves in a situation we can speak it to others. And as we speak it to others, they get life and we get fed. Right? So we can eat him. Amen. By doing the will of the Father to satisfy the hungry and thirsty ones. Okay, that's one. And by glorifying the Father on earth in living the life of a God-man for the glory of the process triune God. Now, Matthew 24, 45 says, Who then is a faithful and prudent slave whom his master will set over his household to give them food at the proper time? Did you notice what one of the sisters in Dunedin said, Jenny said? She said, Oh, doing the tree of life. I thought there's a sister training telling us how to be sisters. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. Is this food at the appropriate time? Yes. Have you all been fed? Yes. Is it appropriate? Yes. Or are we talking about something that's going to happen in the future? Is it current now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So to be faithful is to... Give the ministry at the appropriate time. Amen. Okay, so A says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. This is John 4. My food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So, you know, it, it, it said that the Lord had to go through Sica to meet this woman at the well. He had to pass that way. It's kind of out of the way. Not the direct rulers. Right? Uh, but he had to go there. So there was some kind of leading to take that way. Um, 
And you could say the father knew that woman would be there. She didn't appear to be a seeker, right? But she had a bad background. But she was thirsty, and the Lord knew her problem was she needed him. That was what her problem was. She needed him. Like they say, how many husbands did she have? Five husbands? And then was living with de facto, right? And um, a partner, to use the current term. Um, you know what she needed? She needed another husband. She needed the seventh one. That was the Lord Jesus, right? She needed him. Amen. All right? So the, the Lord considered that was doing the Father's will, and that was finishing his work. He cooperated because he'd been eating. He fed her. He did the will, and he was satisfied. And then B says, there's another aspect of the Lord doing the work. I have glorified you on earth, finishing the work which you have given me to do. You know, the Lord declared, it is finished on the cross. Right? Uh, and then to glorify God is to express God in all things. Now, it's, it's, it's amazing. Actually, when we are filled with God, we glorify God because we get God's element in us and our actions express that. It's not, it's not something special that we have to do. It's the fact that we have been fed with God, assimilated him, digested him, constituted with him, and we do something and it glorifies God because it's the expression of him. So it says in C, uh, you may have heard this in previous ministry, in his human living, the Lord ate butter, the richest grace, and honey, the sweetest love, which gave him the power to always choose the Father's will. Amen. Amen. So you, if you eat the Lord, you get the discernment. If you don't eat the Lord, you're confused. So the, the Lord, this is a prophecy about the Lord. He was eating butter and honey so he could choose, had the grace and love so he could choose the Lord's will. Amen? Okay, so D, we are those who are learning Christ. Is that true? We're learning Christ, as the reality is in Jesus. So when you look at the Gospels, the Lord Jesus was the reality. All he did all he said was reality. There's no vanity in anything that he did. It was all reality. And, you know, we read that and we learn. We learn, wow, look how, look how the Lord was with the Pharisees. Look how he was with the sinners. Totally different, right? But this was the expression of God. He was like that. And he says, the reality is in Jesus, refers to the actual condition of the life of the Lord Jesus recorded in the four Gospels, a life which, in which he glorified the Father on earth to set up a pattern for his believers. So he, he lived, and, and that was a pattern. So Ephesians tell us, we did not so learn Christ, referring to some negative things. You didn't learn that from Christ. Christ was not like that. If indeed you've heard him and seen him, have been taught in him as the reality is in Jesus. So Jesus is the reality. You know, people say, I, I want reality. I want, well, that's a person. That's Jesus. You need Jesus. You want reality? Get him. Okay. So one says, well, why don't you read it? And I'll have a drink.
that wonderful? God was in his living. He was one with God. And then in his resurrection, he got into us that we could learn of him. Two says, the Lord Jesus never did anything out of himself. So he was not the source of his actions, his speaking. He didn't do anything out of himself. He did not do his own work. Right? He only did what the Father was doing. He did not speak his own word. Do you think he could have? Of course he was God. But as a man, he did everything according to the Father's will, right? The Father's desire, the Father's work. And he did not do his own will, and he did not seek his own glory. Wow. This is, this is what we can learn from the Lord. You know, we're learning of Jesus. Don't do anything out of yourself. Don't do your own work. Don't speak your own word. Don't do your own will. And don't seek your own glory. So all those references uh, show those points. So three says, to learn Christ is simply to be molded into the pattern of Christ. That is to be conformed to the image of Christ. He himself as the indwelling spirit the law of the spirit of life with all his riches of his life reproduces himself in us. Can you believe it? He's like that. He wants to live that out, reproduce himself. It's, um, it's not like there's a pattern and we, we're just a long way off and trying to copy it. You know, there used to be a, a saying people says, WWJD. What would Jesus do? So you, you've come to a situation and you're meant to ask, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? Well, it depends what your concept about Jesus is. Right? Jesus is very unpredictable. That's <laughs> the Pharisees. They couldn't figure him out. You know? what, what would Jesus do? So we, we don't ask the question, what would Jesus do? Where is Jesus? In resurrection? He's in us. And what's he doing? He's living the same life in us. He lived on the earth to glorify the Father. Same life. He's wanting to reproduce himself in us. So we're not only the tree of life, we're Jesus. Jesus' reproduction. Amen? So don't misunderstand that. E. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, formed and even made for my glory. Listen. He created, formed, and made for his glory. What are you created for? You're created to express his glory. Not glorify yourself, right? But for his glory. The highest service we can render to God is to express his glory. Amen. Amen. This is amazing. You know, like we mentioned already, the last step of God's organic salvation is glorification. We're made for glory. Ultimately, you will be glorified. You will be God's glory. That's what you're made for. You're made in his image. What is God's expression? Glory. What will you be when he lives in you? Glorious. You'll be, have a glorious expression of himself. Right? So F says, 1 Corinthians 6.20, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body. Amen. This is to allow God who dwells in us to occupy and saturate our body and express himself through our body as his temple. Whenever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we just allow God who's in us 
to occupy more, saturate more, and then there's the expression. You know, this is the work of God. This is to do the work of God. Allow God to work himself into us until he can have an expression. Amen. 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 Are you glorious, sisters? Amen. At least in the process, right? So 4 says, now, this, I'm going to do a menorah, right? This should not be misunderstood, right? The people are, going, are likened in this section to animals, to fish, to birds, to insects. Don't look around and go, oh, that animal there, or that flea there, or, you know, don't, 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 don't misunderstand it. But these, these creatures signify people. There are characteristics of it that signify certain behavior of people and characteristics of people. So we can eat him by contacting the proper person. So, you know, in Leviticus, uh, Brother Lee said Leviticus is God's cookbook, right? It's all about the offerings and which were, were the food for the priests and the, and, and the ones. And there's the instruction about what kind of animals, uh, you know, that were clean and, and unclean. And um, you've got ones... Or maybe I won't read all, all the verses there. It will be pointed out in the points. Okay. To eat is to contact things outside of us and receive them into us, with the result that they eventually become our inner constitution. So, you know, you, you have people in New Zealand who really follow sport. And uh, let's just talk about it all the time. It's constituted. They can tell you, who all the All Blacks were for the last 20 years and how many, how many scores. One of our brothers were like that. I couldn't believe it. You could tell who scored this and what was the score against South Africa and then the one in England and all this kind of stuff. Right? How did he get that? He received something into him. It became constituted in him. Now that's what eating does. You take something in and it becomes what you are. So that's why you have to be really careful what you eat. Right? Um, in Leviticus 11, all the animals signify different kinds of people. And eating signifies our contacting of people. For God's people to live a holy life as required by the holy God, they must be careful about the kind of people they contact. Now, you... You have a lot of verses, right, in Leviticus. A lot of verses. Actually, chapter 11, I think you've got the whole chapter almost as, as references. Um, but then you've got, you've, you've got and, and that talks about, you know, the, the different kind of animals. And then you've got the reference in there to Acts 10. And remember the story in Acts 10. Um, oh, let me just read it a little bit. He became very hungry. This is Peter. He became very hungry, wanted to eat. And while they were preparing, uh, he was up on the roof, and a trance came to him. And he beheld heaven open, and a certain vessel, like a great sheet descending, being let down by four corners uh, onto the earth, in which were all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles of the earth, birds of heaven. And a voice came to him, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And as he, as he talked with him, oh, okay, that's, that's Peter saying. Then we skip, you know, about 13 verses. And um, Cornelius sent some people. He had a dream, a vision. And he sent some people 
to look for Peter. And it says, and as he talked with him, he entered and found many who had come together. So he, this, uh, the centurion sent these soldiers, they talked to him, then Peter went with them. And then he said, you understand it's not lawful for a man who is a Jew to join himself or come near one of another race. Yet God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So he's, he said to the Lord, I've never eaten anything common and unclean when he looked at the animals. And he interpreted that as when he was sent to the Gentiles, he shouldn't consider them. So they're like, Gentiles are like unclean animals. Um, okay. Then you've got verses. Do not be deceived, this First Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil companionship corrupt good morals. So you have to be careful your companionship. You'll start eating what they're eating. You'll absorb what they're You'll be, end up doing what they're doing. It'll, it'll, it'll corrupt you. And then you've got Second Corinthians 6.14. It says, do not become dissimilarly yoked with unbelievers. So, you know, a yoke, in the old days, when they plow the field, they have two oxen and had this big wooden yoke that would link them both together and tie them together and the plow would be connected to it and they'd drag the plow. And so the Lord is saying, don't be yoked with an unbeliever, either by marriage or by employment, work, etc., partnership. Uh, it, it's, you, 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 he said, what, what fellowship does God have with idols? You know? how, how can you light and darkness? It's it's to be, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. And then Paul told Timothy, you have to flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Right? We were calling on the Lord out of a pure heart tonight, right? right? Touching Jesus, calling, calling on his name. This is the right company. This is the right company. Be with those who are pursuing the Lord calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. Okay, so here you've got some interpretation. Now, B says, and it, and it describes it, animals that divide the hoof, right? You know, the, the, the foot is divided, and chew the cud. Can you think of an animal that's very common here that does that? A cow, right? So you can eat a cow. Right? Signified person who have discernment in their activities. You know, it's divided. They, got, they can discern and receive the word of God with much reconsideration. So that's chewing the cud. They discern and they read the word with a lot of consideration. That's a good person to hang out with. Okay? Then C, aquatic animals that have fins and scales signifies persons who can move and act freely in the world and at the same time, resist its influence. So scales, you know, stop uh, fins, uh, help them move, and then the scales stop the water getting into uh, the, the flesh of the, the, the salt, getting into the flesh. So, you know, this is a person who can be in the world, but not affected by it. Amen. And then birds that have wings, amen, for flying and that eat seeds of life for their food supply. Signify persons who can live and move in a life that is away and above the world and who take things of life as their life supply. Is that, you want to be like a bird, soaring above all that situation and just feasting on life. Right? Not all birds do that. Right? These, this is the characteristic of the bird that you can eat. Right? And then insects. Amen. Do you eat insects? Insects that have wings and have legs above their feet for leaping on the ground signifies persons who can live and move in a life that is above the world and who can keep themselves from the world. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, feet without legs 
Can you think of any, like, like a caterpillar, right? Feet without legs. If caterpillar can't jump, but, you know, feet with legs, you're, you're moving on there and then. Jump out of that situation. Jump out of that. Amen. All right. Just about finished. Aren't you good? Aren't you glad? We're just about there. And this part is really, really important. Five. We can eat him by feasting on him in the meetings, on the ground of oneness. The children of Israel could enjoy the produce of the good land in two ways. So the produce of the good land signified Christ, right? There's two ways to enjoy Christ. The common private way was to enjoy him as a common portion at any time, in any place, and with any one. So you can, you can enjoy something of the good land um, anywhere, with anyone, at any time. Okay? That's it's a private way. The special corporate way was to enjoy the top portion the first fruits and the firstlings with all the Israelites at the appointed feast and in the unique place chosen by God. You know what I'm a little concerned about is from the pandemic, we, uh, and I mentioned how good Zoom was, uh, we've had so much blessing as a result of the pandemic and then the use of Zoom and that, but p- some people have got lazy they got lazy. Uh, let me tell you something that happens. You know, we have this meeting, and uh, these people who are linked by Zoom, they're watching it, and then when the speaker finishes, off goes the computer. They log out. You know what they miss? They miss all the top portion, the overflow of the corporate life. So they are just having... I'm not condemning you. I'm just pointing out a fact. They are just having a private enjoyment. They're not having a corporate enjoyment. And it's like you're an Israelite, got your farm, working on your farm. You just eat at home, but you never go to Jerusalem. And we have to recover coming to Jerusalem. We have to recover coming back. You know, this is on the whole earth, not just Hamilton. Not just New Zealand. This is on the whole earth. It's a problem all round. I was talking to some brothers. They 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 told us, um, you know, there's the saints have become lazy. That's the turn the brother. He's a very nice person. You know, he said they become lazy. It's just kind of convenient. I just tick on, put on the coffee, get on the lazy boy, turn off the camera. Why, why, why would you turn your camera off or not put your camera on? You should be so happy that we see God expressed in your face. Right? The glorious expression. You know, if you, if you, go, if you go online and, and, and check this meeting, you'll find a whole bunch of people with the camera off. Actually, actually, I'm not condemning you, but I'm just pointing out a fact. We have lost, you know, there are people living in Hamilton who are not in this meeting, or in Cambridge who are not in this meeting. Why not? Why not? You know, God commanded the children of Israel to come to the feast. Oh, so glorious we get you three sisters from Wakatani, never seen you before. So glorious. There you come here. But it's kind of shameful. We got sisters in Hamilton, not here. It's shameful. It's not glorious. We want glory. Amen? Okay. So you've got these two ways to enjoy. And God instructed the children of Israel when they were journeying from Egypt and the wilderness coming into the good land. They had to meet 
in the place where God chose to put his name. And we know that was Jerusalem. And they had to go there three times. If they didn't go publicly to Jerusalem, they lose their inheritance. They get cut off. It was compulsory. And what they had to bring, they had to bring their top enjoyment, the tithe, the top tenth, not what was left over, the, the top, the first, first fruits. They bring that. Can you imagine what kind of party that was? And it's like it wasn't just all burnt and as an offering. It was offered and enjoyed by all the, all the families. And like I, I've got my big bunch of grapes and you've got your pomegranates. I eat some of your pomegranates. You eat some of the grapes and somebody's got a cow and somebody's got a sheep and, and somebody's got a goose and, and, and it's a big love feast. And it went on for days. And they, the children of Israel, when they went up, they led their animals up there. So there's this high, hot, must have been amazing to look at. And you got psalms about it. How good, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. Called the psalms of ascent, right? All going up there singing with one another. Even the Lord went when he was 12. They were having such a good time. When they left, they forgot about him. <laughs> Three days later, hey, where's Jesus? <laughs> and they go looking everywhere, and, and they find him in the temple asking questions and answering, getting into the word, right? And, and they said, oh, we've been looking for you. He said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? No. Yeah, I wasn't playing on computer games. No, I'm, I'm into the word. So when we think of eating, don't just think of morning revival. Think of the meetings. Think of coming to the conferences, coming to the trainings. Has this been a feast or not? Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, those who, um, who listen to the, the, the messages you know, broadcast from LSM on this, you know, I said they could, they could go home if they wanted to. But actually, I'm quite happy to hear it again yeah. and again. There's so much food here, so much light here. Amen? Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. So you're clear? You can eat Christ personally, privately, at home, but you have to come corporately to the feast. You have to come to the place of God's choice. What you eat at home is still good, but what you get in the meeting is the top. It's the top. Yeah, I, I can testify. When I read this at home, I don't get as much enjoyment as when I speak it to you. I don't see as much at home as when I'm speaking. Right? This is God's blessing. And the same with you. You might say, I haven't got anything to say. Just stand up and say something. You've got something, and you'll find out, ooh, I could actually say something. You know, I do have some riches. Amen. So B says, likewise, the enjoyment of Christ by the New Testament believers is of two aspects. The common private aspect of enjoying Christ at any time and in any place and the special corporate aspect of enjoying Christ, the top portion of Christ, in the meetings of the proper church life, on the unique ground of oneness, the place chosen by God. Praise the Lord for the church meetings. Okay, finally, God's intention for man was to give himself as the tree of life to man for him to enjoy. Amen? To see that God wants us to enjoy him and that he does not want us to do anything for him is to see that the Christian life is a matter of enjoying Christ as the tree of life. If our concept is changed so that we see these two points, it will be easy for us to live a life of enjoying God. So if you don't, if you don't realize God wants you to eat him and he doesn't want you to do a lot of stuff for him. 
right? If you think he wants you to do a lot of stuff, then you're going to lose enjoyment. You get distracted, right? Or you're just trying to improve yourself. We need to see. Do you see this, sisters? We're here to eat the Lord and to enjoy him, right? Enjoy him. Then we're going to express him, and that's the way to live a life of enjoying God. Amen. Okay, so are you ready to overflow with your top portion? So let's just pray two by two for uh, 30 seconds. And then who we got coming up, Toby?